Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in I'm Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I'm the founder and editor of AmazingSpiderTalk.com, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals. And I'm mischievous Mark Giannacchio, founder of the Chasing Amazing blog, author of 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but the annuals don't count. But you do own them, right? Oh, I own them, but they don't count. What about that planet of the symbiotes? That's on topic for today. Do you own that one? I do own that. Thanks to Amazing Spider Talk listener Chris Dunn. So um, just want to you know mention that. Like after you humiliated me on the air that one time, <laughs> he sent me that, that issue uh, out of the goodness of his heart. So yes, I own them all. All right. Well, I'm very, very glad to check in on you on that. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us for a special Amazing Friends episode of the all-new Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors and a creator as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. If you want to learn everything that we know about Spidey, why not subscribe to our show starting back with the first season? Yeah, you can enjoy all of our shows on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or your podcast player of choice. We'd love to have you along for our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, just head on over to AmazingSpiderTalk.com for all the details about where to subscribe. Yes, and if you enjoy the show and want to help us continue while getting amazing bonus content and additional episodes that we never release publicly, go to our show notes and check out our Patreon page and consider joining our team. Dan, today, holy cow, we got an interview that you conducted with, what, Todd McFarlane? How the heck did you make this happen? Yeah, this is a bit of a weird one. I've been holding on to this for a while now. You know, I, I write for The Hollywood Reporter as like, you know, kind of every once in a while job where I'm their Spider-Man guy. And, you know, around the time of the Venom movie release here in L.A., there was this giant Venom block party where they were doing like spray paint and tattoos and all kinds of awesome rad 90s stuff with Venom. And one of the guests there was Todd McFarlane. So the Hollywood Reporter sent me to go talk to him, and I was like, awesome. So I recorded our whole uh, interview, which was like mostly about the DVD release, and I had a few questions I had to ask you know, on behalf of the Hollywood Reporter. So it's not like quite a spider talk interview per se, but like afterwards I asked my editor, I said, hey, can I put this on the spider talk feed? And he was like, yeah, sure. Ask Todd McFarlane. And I was like, great. Now I got to get back in touch with Todd McFarlane. And it's kind of been this tug of war with his manager for a little while, but here it is. I'm going to let you listen to my very short interview with Todd McFarlane, you know, on assignment to talk about the Venom movie. So again, keep that in mind. We're also recording outside of a bathroom of all places. So there's kind of weird back and forth. And if you hear us joke about the bathroom, that's what that's all about. 
it was a lot of fun and Todd was a really nice guy and we got to take a picture together where he's like all up in my space. It was a lot of fun. I mean, he couldn't have been nicer. I hope that we're going to can arrange now for a longer interview with Todd somewhere down the line, you know, one, one at a time. And I hope you guys enjoyed this kind of preliminary look at, uh, into the world of Todd McFarlane. Wow. That, that sounds fantastic, Dan. And, and yeah, I would, I would hope we can get him back for a longer interview because you know, how, how can I not get the chance to talk to Tom McFarlane, but you know, enough about me. Let's talk about Todd. <laughs> well, now let's meet one of our amazing spider friends, the kind of guy that to other friends would recommend. Find out about the things they created. You'll love them so much that you wish you dated, but you're just friends. They're an amazing friend, a friend, a friend, a friend. They're an amazing friend. I'm sitting down with Todd McFarlane here, uh, right outside the bathroom of all places. I mean, look, at the the restroom is black and white, so it even has the motif of Venom, which is pretty We went cool. really all out on this block party here. Yeah. So, you know, Todd, if anything, the success of Venom has proven that there's kind of an insatiable appetite for the character, you know, maybe to match his insatiable appetite. When you first started, the appeal of the character seemed to be that he was sort of like the bully that got all the powers of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And the characters had so many different iterations over the years. Right. What do you kind of see as the kind of like kernel of appeal that you know kind of links all of these Venom properties together? Um, what What's so lovable about the character? I'm going to be biased. I, I, I think he just looks cool. I like So start from that, right? I don't think it's an accident that the characters that are nasty and gnarly the the punishers and the wolverines they just look badass on top of it besides they act badass they look badass so never underestimate cool right because again not only does it work at a, if you're 35 it works when you're 10 right and you just go oh my god that's really cool so now from there, then you then take that he started off as a villain. When 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 David Michelinie and I created him, he was a villain, right? It was like I made him this big giant guy that would be superimposing to Superman or Spider-Man when when they fought that there would be a physicality that would be impossible to beat, and that they would have to come up with some interesting ways to sort of defeat him. That Venom at that point didn't care about breaking the rules, didn't care about sort of playing by whatever social norms were going to be there, I think sort of made him cool, right? So on, in some way, Doc Doom and and Magneto and Joe, they're all, in, in a weird way, they're kind of cool to us mm-hmm. because even though we're rooting for the hero, it's because these guys are so formidable to the solution of what we're there. So now you take that kind of character and then you start, like you're saying, to the iterations of it, you start going, hey, well, and, and I wasn't around when they started doing this. Uh, when I left, he was still a major villain. Then they went, hey, what happens if you make him good? What happens if you make him half good? What if you make him three quarters good? What if you make him bad? And so they did, they tried all these versions of him, both physically and emotionally. And, and then they've just sort of picked it. And now he's sort of sitting in this big box you know, that we maybe in comics then call anti-hero or whatever else, you know. I mean, like I said, there's lots of characters spawn I'd put in that same box too. They're the people who just understand that at times when you get stuff done, it can be dirty work and they don't care. And they just go, guys, we got to get this done and we're going to get a little muddy. Don't worry about it, right? We got So stop it. Stop trying to be polite about this. It's nasty work. It's dirty work and we're going to get dirty. 
So you've kind of been like the master of cool, like especially when you burst onto the comic scene and, and kind of shook up Marvel's style for Spider-Man. But since then, the Venom design has changed you know, in, in radical different directions, whether he's a soldier or even just basically down to the tongue, which you, your version didn't feature. No. What kind of additional art elements to the design of the character have you kind of embraced the most over the years? I mean, I gave him a tongue that wasn't nearly as long as uh, it is. It's become a little bit of a trademark of his. You know, I'd give the credit on that to uh, Eric Larson, the guy he added that. I'm, you know, artistically, I'm not a, I'm not a big tongue guy. All right, I just, I, I I don't, I don't think tongues are threatening, right? I think claws and teeth uh, and sharp, jagged edges. I think those are way more imposing. Uh, So, but it's now become sort of the visual vernacular of who and what Venom is. You can see it in a lot of the posters and the layouts and stuff. I've talked to David Michelinie, and he told me this kind of long story about how when the Venom character was kind of in gestation, you know, with all the various creators who've worked on that path, that long path to get to the Venom character, that there was a point in time where it was intended to be a woman. And and then obviously they kind of changed that up for 300 to make him this kind of big character. What were your kind of goals in in the design when, when you first kind of were uh, you know, approaching this idea? Uh, the first goal was to get the black costume off Peter Parker. That was goal number one, right? It's the reason why Venom exists today. And it's got that great final page where he's got the red and blues back. Right, that was it. My first page to me that I drew Spider-Man. Everything else was filler. Uh, so, so the the goal was to get the black costume off. We put it, and and then they wanted to keep the costume. So I go, I'll just give you some designs. And and to me, he was a monster. Right? Why? Because the costume was alive. Alive means alien. Alien means monster. Monster means creature. I'll come up with the, I'll come up with that look. And so physically, I wanted him to be way bigger than Spider-Man. So again, it would be a tough battle. It wasn't going to be easy for Peter Parker. And, and, and then I'm going to put things that I think are part of a monster. Claws, hunched over, you know, almost feels like a gorilla. He's got, he's got the big jaw. He's got the big eyes. Just things that would not be human-esque. And then David Michelinie then says, hey, we're, the alter ego is Eagle is going to be uh, Eddie Brock. And I, I didn't know that when I created him, like visually. I'm just like, okay. So I, I could have used that information earlier. I probably would have come out with a different design. Yeah. But then the, then the editor and I, we sort of, everybody sort of enjoyed the drawing that we did. So we just go, let's just make it so that Eddie Brock just gets absorbed, right? And, and you can play with scale because they got another character called the Hulk that changes from Bruce Banner to the Hulk. And you, and you get a change in scale there. So it's like, okay, we can have Eddie Brock and we can have Venom and they don't have to match the physicality because they're not necessarily putting on a costume like Spider-Man is, right? right? So we can we can have way more fun with it. I've been loving what you've been doing on your Facebook page with all the kind of tutorial videos you've been doing and drawing kind of Marvel characters again and, and, and kind of articulating for fans how to go down that direction themselves. I'm curious, do any kind of desire to maybe even do just like a cover for Marvel here and there again to get back into the realm of these characters? If you're asking Todd McFarlane, the artist, of course, and they ask the editor's phone, you know, whenever there's a new editor at Marvel, they phone, oh, hey, Todd, we'd like to do a, a cover. And it's like, yes, says Todd, the artist, comma, the problem is I'm also the president of Image Comics, sure. which is, which is, besides being the third biggest comic company, is a direct competitor to both Marvel and DC. Right. And so 
I, I can't in good conscience do that, right? And, and since we started Image in 1992, I haven't drawn a page for neither Marvel or DC. I'm, I'm the only one of the founders of Image that can say that, yeah. but I just, I just can't get past my head to say, if I can draw a page, I can't, as the president of one company, do it for a direct competitor. It doesn't make sense to me. Now, now, if you're asking me, could we do Spawn Venom? Okay, that's, that's the different story now. That's different than saying, can you do a Venom cover? We had an Invincible crossover with Spider-Man not too long ago. I mean, like that was maybe a decade, nearly a decade right. ago. So can I do Spawn Batman? We did. Right? Yeah. So can I do Spawn Spider-Man? Of course. Can we do Spawn Venom? It'd be cool. Right? But just to do those characters singular and me give them the artwork, I can't. I can't, I can't cross that road. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Although I'd love to see it. I'm sure you would too. Well, me too. I'd draw a cool Venom. What are you talking about? <laughs> so Marvel gave you your own Spider-Man series, you know, to, to write and draw yourself. Do you, yeah. Do you have any uh, like stories from that series that you would love to see adapted on the big screen? Um... If you actually look at what I, because I was writing those ones, right? So if you actually look at what was happening in that book, almost every issue minus the last one was just a monster story, right? So going back to what was on Braden Venom, monsters. I like monsters. I think they're cool. So if you look at it, the the first story with had the lizard in it, to me is a creature. The second story had Wendigo in it, a monster. The third one, I think, had uh, Morbius in it, or, or I think there may there even between there, there was the, the Hobgoblin, mm -hmm. another monster. Everything was monsters. And then, and I think my last issue, they had the X Factor because they said, hey, we want you to do a crossover. So that was dictated by the company. Um, but just doing something cool and dark and creepy, right? I mean, I, so I, that's that's sort of where my mentality is. Either do something super fun and 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 cute or do something gnarly and nasty everything in between i'll leave it to a bunch of other people i think they're way way, way more passionate to do that stuff so quick question do it. monsters and heroes spawn the movie yeah. what's the status there on that Put, putting the financing together and 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 trying to convince the the city that you can go into various corners of superhero movies Right, and, we're, and Venom is a perfect example that you can take a, a, a quote-unquote anti-hero character that was originally uh, created as a villain and, and make him, you know, this sort of do-gooder, although he doesn't play by the rules. He's uh, and you can make a billion dollars. And so every what's 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 the movie whether it's Deadpool or, or Guardians of the Galaxy that are don't follow the norms. Of, of super or or a Suicide Squad soon to be um, the Joker. We're gonna get an underwater guy here next week. Aquaman, like, and then you've got Jessica Jones and you've got Luke Cage and you got Daredevil. What 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 uh, Arrow? What which one is it that's failing? Right, none, none, yeah. none. So is what I'm trying to tell Hollywood. Why is Spawn going into a dark corner that doesn't follow the norms? Why is that one gonna be the the odd fish? That's not going to swim upstream. Of course it will. And if we keep the budget small, of course it'll sell. And now we get to say from the co-creator of Venom on top of it. Cool, guys. Why not? Yeah. I don't know. And final quick question. You're Todd McFarland. You've been involved in toys. And you very articulately talked about your you know, answers to these questions. But how many points of articulation do you have? Shoot. I, 
I, it depends on the situation. So I, I'm kind of immature, so I'll be the first to admit it. I, 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 I deal with life fairly simplistic, and it goes something like this. You treat me nice, I'll be nice. You be an asshole, I'll be an asshole back. This is easy, right? This is just sport. So when I played sport, I played Pac-10 baseball, I'm competitive. I let you dictate the, the way we're going to play, and then I have no fear of playing your game. So if you want to be nasty, let's go. I'm, I'm not afraid of any fight. Well, I'll, 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 I'll go down swinging. Probably we'll lose most of the fight, but there will be no in, in battling, right? So I don't care. I've been, I've been fighting big corporations and Fortune 500 companies my whole life. And, 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 and they're always saying, no, we're trying to stop you or doing something. Okay, you, you know, I, whatever. I, I'm, I'm just wired for the battle every day of my life, and I don't get tired of it. So I can't say I enjoy it, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't shirk from the duty because I have lots of people work for me, and I have to defend them. I have to defend them. Well, we're glad to have you on our side. Well, it depends which one. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not even saying I'm right in those battles. Sometimes I'm actually dead wrong, but, I, but I'll still go. We'll, we'll claim you as the hero's people, yeah. or people's oh, hero. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, well, well, thanks again to Tom McFarlane for agreeing to talk to me about his work on Spider-Man and Venom. Again, like we said, I hope I can get him back on the show for a proper Amazing Spider Talk interview where Mark and I drill him about something weirdly specific that he may or may not remember. But while we wait for that to happen, Dan, what is coming uh, next for our show? Well, Mark, we had a bit of a change of plans in our schedule. We were going to cover the Spider-Man newspaper strip next, and we will get there. I'm just reading a lot of Spider-Man newspaper strips right now to get caught up. We're actually going to be getting to something even more special in just a few days. Special, Dan? What could it be? Well, Mark, you and I are going to be talking about the Spider-Man live-action television shows, including the Electric Company and Amazing Spider-Man and the Japanese Spider-Man. And then I'll be talking to the original Peter Parker himself, Nicholas Hammond. Wow. You mean Nicholas Hammond from The Sound of Music, Dan? That Nicholas Hammond, the very one from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, you mean a modern movie. That makes much more sense that he would talk to us then. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I uh, look forward to that. I, it was a really nice, meaty, long interview, and he was really generous with his time. So that's coming in just a few days. That is awesome. And also for our Patreon subscribers, be sure to check out our Patreon page and your podcast feed this week for a special review of Amazing Spider-Man number 28. But if you like Venom like us and Tom McFarlane, then you also need to check out Dan's coverage of the Absolute Carnage event. Dan, you are a machine with the Patreon stuff right now. There's no better place to join on the Patreon bandwagon than to join us for our exciting coverage of the all-new Spider-Man comics. Remember, for just $3.99 a month, the price of a new comic, you'll get access to our exclusive new issue reviews, B-book reviews, extended interviews, and more. And for $10 or more a month, you will get access to some awesome commissioned artwork. This season, you will be getting some work from Barry Kitson. Yeah, so excited about that. Also, be sure to check out our sister show, The Untold Talks of Spider-Man, who are just plowing through a ton of fun Spider-Man books. Plus, we've also got the amazing Spider-Slack community for you to join. Just check this episode's description for a link to join our Spider-Man talking community. And a special thank you to Rick Coast, our amazing, spectacular, adjectiveless web of... 
friendly neighborhood. Mark, give me another one here. Peter Parker, spectacular. Did you say sensational yet? I don't I, even know. I, I didn't. Sensational editor who cut together this very episode. Beautiful, Dan. I'm all out of superlatives and adjectives. So what about where we can find you on social media? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk. Come say hi. What about you, Mark? You can find me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog, and you can always find my book, 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, Wherever Books Are Sold. Well, Mark, together we are Amazing Spider-Talk, and together Eddie and the symbiote are Venom. And But between us, I think we all can agree on one thing. And what is that thing, Mark? Yes, we agree on, with great podcasts, must also come the all-new Amazing Spider Talk. Don't, don't miss the next installment.